Good day, everyone. How's it going, Tim? Great. How are you, Zach? Lovely. I'm lovely. Great. Is this your favorite season of the year? I do. I, I like it is. I, I like it a lot. Just don't have to complain that it's cold. Don't have to complain that it's too hot, too humid. It's great. How about you? I don't know. I like all the seasons, I think. That's such a ridiculous... Like, they all have, like, their own little, like, pieces of the equation that are nice. And, and at that time, so then it's like... It's kind of like supply and demand. Like, you get excited about it when it's not there. And then... Yeah, I don't know. I I, got, I received a text this morning from uh, Eric J. Olson. He said, oh, it's a beautiful morning to run. And I said to him, well, I didn't mind running in the heat. I just can't go for very long because it's so hot. But it, it is nice that it's... um. You're not losing like 50 pounds of sweat uh, in, in a run. So Very true. Have we had any guests on the show from New York? I don't know. Other than myself, no. Well, today is going to be a magical day. You've been really excited about this episode for, well, since you booked it. What, what was yeah. the origin of, of why you're so excited? Well, I just think that... Uh, I, I guess, Mike, I'll, I'll kick it back over to you in terms of I think that I'm all about second chances and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'd be interested in your take on second chances. But I think that uh, for the most part, everybody everybody does something foolish in their life one t- at one time or another. And, and some people are luckier than others mm-hmm. uh, that, that just happen to get away with it. But uh, we all do silly things. And. Sometimes, yeah, and, and I just think that people are deserving of a second chance so that um, you can make the impact on life that you were meant to make. Agreed. I think, yeah, and I, I think you were right in that sense of we've all done something ridiculous. We've all likely done something ridiculous that probably would uh, put us in, in, in jail or prison. Maybe not. Maybe that's a ridiculous statement. Maybe not everyone. But um, I know I have, and I, I think I've been lucky enough to not have to go. Um and, uh, you know, I always look at, at, at the, the situation of when it's you do the time for the crime, you get out, you should be able to get that second chance. I, I've actually been to, uh, I don't know if you knew this, Tim, but I went to Michael, the Michael Vick house. So we live in Virginia, Daniel, and the Michael Vick house is where they did all like the dog fighting and stuff like that. I used to work in mm-hmm. TV news. And so I've been to that house. I'm a huge dog lover. Right. Mike Vick had to, I think had to pay like $60 million back 24 months. Basically his career went wild. And all these people after he got out were like, how dare him be able to like come back and be a, you know, a a normal citizen. I'm like, hold on a second. Like that dude was given a time to go or was, 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 went through the law, had to go do his time and come out. Like he should be given that second chance. And you know, a lot of, a lot of animal lovers will probably be yelling at me for that. But I'm like, yo, like, and I saw what that house looked like. They were not in great conditions, but the guy did his time. And I think he should get a second chance and, and, and he is getting a second chance. And so uh, I'm glad to see that. But mm-hmm. a lot of individuals don't get that, get that uh, second chance. And um, you guys are trying to, or are working on, on, on fixing that, that big challenge. And so we're, we're, we're pumped to, to see you guys do that, continue that and, and to talk with you over the next few minutes. So welcome to the show. Yeah. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So the, the origin of your company is called, or the name of your company is called con connect. And if you could just 
jump in and, and give us a, a brief elevator pitch, if you will, of what Con Connect is and what you guys are doing. Yeah, so we developed the first of its kind uh, software for case management and fair chance employment. And what fair chance employment is, is employers bringing on people who have uh, something that's going to stop them, stimmy them from being able to actually get uh, the employment that they deserve or that they need to actually survive. Um, so we work with nonprofit organizations all around the country, um, and we help them create impact faster by being able to update their means of connecting to people. Right now, everything is so paper and pen. You have to, you know, all the case management notes are written down on paper. You have to make phone calls to organizations back to back to back to try to get people the opportunities and resources that they need. Um, it's old fashioned, it's outdated, and the entire industry of reentry needed a facelift. And that's what we're providing by creating this uh, technology. What did, uh, so how, what, what's, how did this come about? I mean, how did uh, you and Andre, you, you came up with this idea, you talk about the origins and, and how everything became to what it is today. Yeah, so my partner, Andre Pear, um, after serving some time came home and this is a guy who he didn't have the resources that some people do when they come home, right? He didn't have a place to stay. He didn't have uh, somebody to pay for a roof over his head or buy food for him, nothing like that. So he ended up going to a shelter. And while in the shelter was getting some really just terrible jobs that nobody wants to do, cleaning toilets and, you know, just being a janitor at a gym, I think he was doing for the first six months that he was home. And um, he ended up discovering LinkedIn and ended up loving it. And even though it helped him a little bit, create a network and meet some people who might be able to help him. Um, it's not specific, right? There's always going to be somebody out there without a background, without a criminal record that's able to beat you out for a job or whatever the case is. And um, he said, like, we need this. We need LinkedIn, but for people specifically with a record to get access to everything that they need. Um, you know, because it's, it's terrible trying to get housing. It's terrible trying to get mental health services, health care. It's terrible trying to get transportation or housing, all of that. Um, so he went through and he said, you know, I'm going to build this thing. Started talking to some uh, nonprofit organizations saying, what do you guys need to do your job better? Um, and talking to some employers and saying, hey, what could fix the issue of you not wanting to hire people with a criminal background? Um, now, Andre and I, we met when we were serving some, times when, some time when we were young. Uh, we met in what is called a work release facility. So you're like outside of the jail during the day and then you go back in at nighttime. Um, and we met while we were in there and we kind of had the same mentality of, you know, put your head down, let's get this over with, let's get back home and let's, you know, get moving again. Um, and we ended up linking up again once we were out and Andre called me uh, while I was on vacation in Puerto Rico, actually. He called me and I was stuck in a job, same situation that a lot of other guys in my position are with a background, stuck in a job I didn't really want to do, but, you know, I was just trying to make some money and trying to make my life, you know, happen. Gives me a call and he's like, Danny, got this idea. I want you to jump on board. And yeah, you know, I took that opportunity and we've been running with it ever since. Um, it's a huge opportunity for me and I'm, I'm loving what we're doing. Do you guys have business experience at all? Have you guys ever owned a business or been in something this early? Uh, so I would say for, for myself, so I owned a pool and hot tub business before this uh, for about a year and a half. Uh, and so I was doing that just, you know, spa maintenance, pool maintenance and equipment repair, all of that. Um, didn't really love it. So I got out of it. Um, but that's where my business you know, acumen comes from. Uh, nothing as intense as what we're going through now. The startup community is intense. Um, love it though. And then Andre did a lot of, um, uh, what is it called? Personal training. So he does a lot of, you know, selling himself basically out there and getting clients and all that. So we have a, a small amount of business knowledge, but not 
coming in what we thought we needed in order to, to make this succeed. So every day is really just, I mean, staying up late into the day and learning what you can learn to make sure you succeed. So, so you, you've, you, you've gone in twice. I think you, you had mentioned. And mm-hmm. in that time, is it clear like why people go back in? Yeah. You know, we, um, before the show, we talked about recidivism. I, I believe it's the word rate is like 66, 67%, which means those that are in go back in. Like, is it clear why, or in your um, opinion, like why, why is that so high? Do, do you know who you think is going to go back in? Like, is it, are, are you, are you guys going after a very specific percentage of, of those that have been incarcerated? Like, Walk, walk us behind the, the cell, if you will, and, and why you think that's the way that it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ray, you're going to get some people that are just career criminals. Let's be honest, right? They're out there. There are some people that you're just never going to be able to change. They're just bad people. Um, but that's a small, small percentage of the people that actually go in. Most people, um, the crimes they commit are crimes of circumstances, right? Um, they're robbing because they literally don't have food or um, maybe they have mental health you know, disorders that are causing them to to fight somebody, whatever the case is, that's going to be the majority of people going in. Um, And there are people who, hey, help them, and they will be fine when they go back home, right? But they need the help. They need the resources. They need access to them. Um, For the amount of people that go back, that 67% of people that go back, that's two and three. Two and three people aren't terrible career criminals. They just have a lack of access to resources. I mean, in the United States, there are thousands and thousands of nonprofit organizations out there that are trying to help this community, but they don't have the funds, they don't have the means, they don't have the caseworkers, whatever it is, to to really resource everybody. Um, so it's really just a lack of resources, a lack of access to the help that they need. Um, you know, in that two to three year span where that 67% go back, that's all it is. They never got the stable housing, they never got the stable transportation, they never got their mental health needs met. Right. If you don't see a therapist, you can't fix what needs fixing. If you don't get medicine, you don't, you know, you don't get your medicine. And now you're going to continue in that same um, spiral that you were in before. So it's really just a lack of access to resources. You know, if I can't feed my family, what am I going to do? You know, if I can't get a job or the job that I'm getting is this McDonald's, you know, $15 an hour and I got to pay for rent, got to pay for a car, got to do this, got to do that. You know, really, what are the odds are stacked against you at that point? Um, you're never going to be able to say I'm doing good. I'm doing well enough where I feel like I can just hang back and not get back into what I was doing before. Where do you think race plays into that number? I mean, if you look at it, you know, historically, it's, it's, it's everything. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched the documentary, the 13th, and it talks all about the 13th amendment. Um, it's on Netflix and I highly recommend it, but I mean, slavery led into, um, you know, the, the modern, penal system, honestly. Um, And even in the 13th Amendment, it says slavery is illegal, abolished, unless you commit a crime. So I mean, slavery led way into it. And um, I'm not sure of the exact number, but it's the high majority of black and brown people that make up our our judicial system or the people inside of our jails and uh, prisons. Um, It's huge. And it's something that is quite honestly going to take some time to fix. um, Because there's so much deeply ingrained in so many people's head that Black and brown people are just more susceptible to being seen as committing crimes and whatnot that are going to actually land them in prison and in jail. So it's it's a huge part of it that needs uh, addressing. Mute. I think that might be the first time in 120 
20 something episodes that has happened. One of the things that I find so amazing is that about entrepreneurship in general is you're solving a problem and you and Andre are solving a problem in, in a way that no one else could because you have that experience and you know what it was like and you know what needs to go into it to solve that problem. How, how long did you guys talk about this in terms of before you actually, no kidding, started to execute, implement um, ConConnect as, as what it is today? Yeah, um, I think one of my favorite quotes for us when it comes to how we're solving this problem is, um, and I can't think of the person's name, I wish I could remember it, but they said the, the people who are closest to the problem are those closest to the solution, right? So Andre and I both went through what we went through and we saw, wow, this, this, this is terrible. I'm having a terrible time right now. You know, Andre had a hard time with resources. I had a hard time with mental health. Um, and we both just realized that, okay, we need to fix this and we're the ones who are able to do it. And there's some other people out there who are doing some really great nonprofit work, people with records who came out and are, you know, trying to help the population and whatnot. Um, but we're, we're the, we're the right ones for it. Honestly, we're, we're motivated, we're hungry. Um, you know, we have the education behind us. We have the acumen behind us. Um, and, and to this day, we're getting more and more serious every single day. Andre and I are on the phone constantly. We're traveling constantly. Um, you know, I think Andre had the aha moment before he brought me on. Um, and it was when he went to all these nonprofits and they were like, whatever you're building, whatever you're talking about, we need because we are we are swamped. Yeah, and I mean, most organizations can't handle their caseloads right now at all. So that was that, the aha moment. Yeah, that's that's kind of the point, though. It's like the nonprofits and what they're trying to do is really, really great. And I applaud them for doing it. But unless you are inside and you know what it took, you know, the whole process of getting ready for that release, getting a caseworker set up, having whatever resources you need when you get out. You all experience that first time. So these nonprofits, they don't necessarily understand that. So you all play, a, I would assume, play a really, really big part in helping that transition. And so that you can reduce that 66, 67 percent of folks that are going back in. So, I mean, I, I just think that it's really, really, it's awesome what you guys are doing. And that's that's really the reason why I'm so happy to have you guys on the show to help share the message of what you both are doing. Yeah, what? Appreciate it. I, I'm it's, curious. Oh, go ahead, Zach. Well, now I forgot. Uh, I, I'm just curious. Like, there's some mm. some people that the biggest roadblock they have to prevent themselves from being successful is themselves, and. I'm sure that the doing time in prison, is there anything that you guys fear at that point? I mean, I, I mean, I'm just like from a translating that into a business, you're like, you know, starting this busy business. That's easy. You know, I, I mean, doing a pitch, pitching to investors, you know, there, is there anything that you feel that I, I, it's just a really weird way, but I mean, that kind of probably positioned you all in a way that, Hey man, we're, we're taking this thing. We're going as far as we need to go with it. And there's nothing that's going to stop us. Hmm. No, honestly, I mean, the beginning of, of being in a startup for me has been, has been intense. It's been, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, you can't really compare the fears, um, honestly, but when it comes to being part of the startup world and being in such an early stage company, um, the fear is real, <laughs> you know, the, the fear of, 
of failing, the fear that, you know, you're just doing something wrong. And that's why so many entrepreneurs and, and founders are up at 5 a.m. and don't go to sleep until midnight, right? Because there's so much to do and, and so many little things that can go wrong. Um, I think, I mean, when it comes to when I was locked up, I think I locked up when I was young. I was 19 years old when I was in, you know, some maximum security uh, facilities. And that's just terrifying in and of itself. Um, but this is a whole, a whole different level of, of fear to me. A, because of the population that we're trying to help. Um, and we have the tool to help them. So failure to us is, you know, failing to help them. Uh, you know, ultimately we want to bring that recidivism rate down to, you know, 30%, um, which is like one of our huge missions here. We have a posted on the wall um, to bring that recidivism rate down. So it's a, it's a different type of fear. You know, A, you want to be successful. This is a huge opportunity for somebody in my position. <clears throat> um, and also you want to be able to help the population. So different fears, but um yeah, I guess you could say that it's prepared me in some certain ways. Um, when you're when you're locked up, you have to every single day is something new, and you never really know what's going to happen. And honestly, the founder world is the same exact way. I wake up in the morning sometimes some emails where I'm like, "Shit, got to get on top of this real quick, or else you know, or else you're going to be doing a nosedive for the next two days." Um, so it's it's prepared me in in some ways, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so is that? Money? I'm just curious if that is that is that one metric that you use uh, in terms of making sure that they don't go back in, that you have a, you have constant, not constant, but frequent contact to make sure that they have the tools that they need to keep them in the path moving forward as opposed to going back? Yeah, so I, a big thing for us is tracking success, right? I feel like a lot of places end up tracking failure. Um, you know, recidivism in itself is failure, right? So. We're not tracking recidivism. We're not tracking who's failing. We're tracking success. So we we stay in contact with the employers. We stay in contact with the nonprofits and with our users. And we say, you know, how are they doing? Like when they get into a new position, we'll stay in contact with them for six months, a year and say, hey, how are they doing? Are they succeeding? Do they do you feel like they need more resources? Are you noticing them slacking? What's going on? And then we're able to, you know, redirect them and repurpose them and, you know, rechannel whatever's going on and say, hey, let's get you what you need so you can continue on this, this proper track. Um, so we, we really, a big metric for us is that success and watching them move forward. Um, yeah, so that's a huge metric for us. So you talked about talking to nonprofits and, and, and how they do great work, but and they're looking for a tool like ConConnect. Is it as easy as, hey, here, now here's the tool and they buy it? Are they the customer? Is it the actual business is the customer? How, how do you guys make money? Yeah, absolutely. So we... Um, so we work with nonprofit organizations and we charge them per caseworker that gets onto the site. Um, so, you know, most of them have three to five at a, at a more medium uh, size nonprofit. So we charge per caseworker that gets on. Then we operate like a normal job board in how we uh, work with organizations or not organizations, but employers, corporations. They get on, they post a job, they pay to post a job. Um, it, you know, it's that simple. Um, but everybody that's on the website works with this population and that's what makes us you know industry specific and relevant right now um you know most employers are hurting for talent right now everybody is you know you can't walk down the street without somebody saying man well that store's closed over there with a sign on the door saying you know closed because timmy didn't come in for work so we're at an opportune time where we feel um employers and corporations are open to new strategies and for us to be able to say listen this is the perfect time to reconsider your stance on fair chance hiring and hiring from 
this population. You need them, they need you. And quite honestly, the retention rate for people coming home from prison in, in the workforce is higher than the normal US population or the average US population. It's higher. So you're looking at getting um, you know, retention rates that are gonna be higher in your employees. Um, loyalty is higher in people who are you know, post-incarceration that come into a job. And that's because they, they know what it's like to struggle. So when you put them in a good position, they're going to be loyal. They're going to be honest. They're going to be, you know, on time, all these different things. Um, it's just, it's the right time and it's the right opportunity. And, you know, employers are really looking into it and thinking, okay, this is something we can really get behind. So it's just right time, right place. Where does the remote aspect of this come into play? So a lot of uh, over the over the pandemic, a lot of people have started to do remote work. Do you feel like that's something that uh, is is helpful for you? Are most of uh, those who have been locked up, incarcerated, are, are they looking for in person jobs, remote jobs? Like, how, how does the remote world in in what we've seen over the last twenty four thirty six months help or hurt you guys? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely helps us. We are a a we're a full remote company right now. Um, so we're, and we're looking to really hire from the community. So to be able to offer that opportunity to other men and women who are coming home is great. Um, but we're a tech platform first and foremost, right? We're a software company. That's what we do. Um, and to be able to say, Hey, here's a software, here's a, uh, a networking site specifically for you. I think it gets people excited, right? If I was coming home and I knew, Hey, look, there's, there's ConConnect and there's everything I need there. Plus I can engage with the community. That's huge. Right. This is the first time that anything like this has ever been done before. And uh, it's. In terms of work from home or remote, you know, we have opportunities on the site where people can get on and they can get upskilled and they can get, uh, you know, job training and all that. Um, yeah, remotely. So it, I guess it's been huge. It's, uh, it's a new opportunity. You know, we have a bunch of people that we work with in Texas and California, Florida that do remote training that I would never have access to. Otherwise, I wouldn't even know that they existed, honestly, being up here in New York. But I can get on ConConnect and I can apply to be part of their, you know, their resource. And well, now I'm getting upskilled. Now I'm, you know, better odds of getting a job. Any idea how many number of jobs that you all have placed to this point? So to date, we've placed uh, about 1,200 people since um, we launched in April. Wow, that's incredible. I I found it fascinating why you all are expanding into Virginia. Um, because as we talked about at the beginning of the show, you're from New York, um, and now you're at 757 Accelerate as, as one of the companies in the newest cohort. Um, can you talk about why Virginia uh, and why Virginia is such an important place for you to expand to? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, originally we went down for the 757 Accelerator um, which has been amazing. The people working there are great and they have been a huge factor in, in some of the decisions that we've made recently since we just, uh, you know, got on board with them. And when we got down there, uh, we started talking to a lot of people who were, you know, a part of some different projects going on in the area and um, I believe it's Hampton Roads and whatnot that are, you know, really gung-ho about developing the workforce, really hungry to develop the area in general. And when we look at that, we say, okay, this is an opportunity to, again, showcase what this population can do. Um, so a big thing for us is saying, hey, have you thought about developing your workforce around, 
you know, the reentry community and people with criminal backgrounds. And so far, the Virginia population has been so open to the idea of working with ComConnect and working with people uh, who are returning citizens and coming home from jails and prison. So A, to be able to help any area is huge, right? To be able to help any community in any way is, is a blessing, but also to showcase what your population can do and what your community can do, which my community is the reentry community. My community here is people with criminal backgrounds. Um, that's who I advocate for, that's who I work for. To be able to showcase what they can do and prove to other places, other states, other you know government officials, whoever it is, to say, look at what we've achieved over here. We can do the same all over the place with this population that you guys kind of counted out. So, uh, you know, Virginia is definitely, especially the 757, has given us that opportunity to showcase that. And I, th I think to take that one step further, I, th I want to say that I heard Andre talk about the fact that the unfortunate fact is that the population of folks in prison in Virginia is high um, and the sentences are longer, which is an unfortunate thing about Virginia that uh, it's attractive for you all because the total addressable market is higher than it is in other states. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I just, so again, uh, kudos to you for, uh, for you guys for coming down here to, to try to change that. When you guys are having conversations, whether it be with um, a state, a local organization, a business, may maybe even some of the former inmates, wh what kind of pushback are they giving you guys um, as to, maybe just negativity in general uh, that you guys are hearing about about the company? Really none, honestly. Um, it's not really pushback that we're getting. It's more so getting in touch with the right people. That has been the most difficult part, right? You can go to, all right, so I guess the, the hardest part. So if you go to a local HR rep at a, at a small, you know, mom, pa chain of, you know, local restaurant, whatever it is, right? Uh, and you try to pitch this, them this idea it's really difficult for them to go up the, the the chain and go to their superiors and say hey you know i have this idea maybe it'll work maybe it won't nobody wants to pitch you know uh ex-prisoners people who have been to jail been to prison nobody wants to pitch that to their superiors because if it fails that's on you right so the biggest part for us is actually getting in contact with the people who are the decision makers um they're not easy to get in contact with uh, but other than that, once we do get in contact with them, they love the idea. There's not one person that I've spoken to that doesn't say, no, we'll give this a try or we won't give this a try. Everybody loves the idea. Um, so it's just getting in contact with those people. And once we do, we can, you know, we can open them up. <laughs> we can get them on board. Did you all start with a certain uh, list of job segments to begin with? I mean, clearly there's got to, there's certain segments that you, that are off the table so did you start with an initial set of uh, jobs and then has that expanded uh, as you continue to see success on your end? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had to start out with, and I'm not one of those people who wants, you know, just uh, anybody coming out of jail, put them at a fast food restaurant or put them in a construction site. Not what I want, um, but we had to start there. Right? We had to start in some trades and some, some skilled manual labor, things like that. Um, and that was just because we needed to make sure that we had the resources available uh, when we launched, right? So we started out there, let's just get some jobs on the platform, get some people some opportunities. Um, but as we're progressing, you know, we're making sure that we're putting resources on where people can get specific training for more tech industry jobs, for 
you know, more educational jobs, whatever the case is, just these higher skilled uh, positions that pay more, create more generational wealth um, and create more intrinsic value, right? So you can say when you get up, you're like, well, I actually have a job that I love and I have a job that's interesting and actually matters. Um, so that's really where we're trying to head now. And we're trying to do that by presenting resources first. Um, so we can say, look, this population is upskilled. They're stable. They're good employees. We have a track record. Um, now let's start getting them in these positions that normally, traditionally, they don't have the opportunity to get into. Um, so we want to start moving in that direction. It's very important to us to keep moving in that, uh, that direction. There, there's a stigma for those that have been locked up that, yep. and I don't know how to necessarily articulate it, but there's a that negative stigma behind it. Like the, that, that person will never figure it out. They're a bad person. You know, all things kind of associated around that. But when you start having a conversation like with you, Daniel, and you and I just met, I don't know, 43 minutes ago, right? You, you, you seem like a, a heck of a guy who is really trying to, to make a difference in this world. It, it's almost like, we are putting this stigma on these people and never willing to even just open the door and have a conversation to see if they're the right fit. It, what is it about that stigma? And is it, it like, is it, is it what you guys are building that's going to fix this or cause it just seems ridiculous, right? Like had you never told me that you had been locked up, that wouldn't have been a question that I would have asked you by the way. Right. Most people probably aren't mm -hmm. like, Oh, by the way, have you ever been locked up? But, but as soon as you put that, you know, as soon as that uh, asterisk is there and you find out, it's like, well, this person is the worst person in the entire world. Like, what what is it going to take to to remove that stigma? And why is that kind of stigma there when it seems so absurd in, in many cases? No, yeah, well, it's like you just said, right? If you never ask, you may never know. Um, so, I mean, a big thing, the Obama administration came in in 2008 and they started the Ban the Box movement. And, you know, they got all these companies on board to say, hey, no more uh, checkbox that says, are you a convicted felon on the applications anymore? So you got a bunch of companies that came in and they signed this agreement and they said that they're going to do it. But then, you know, they still do a background check when you're hired. So did it get better or did it get worse? Because now I'm going into a job. I fill out the application. I think I'm going to get it. But then a week later, the background check comes in and, you know, I'm still not eligible for the position. So, I mean, it's, it hasn't gotten any better, uh, in my opinion. And we're able to fix that. So in the way that we fix that is, um, you know, our technology ends up matching uh, people to opportunities that fit them specifically. So as an employer, I can go on and I can choose if any past convictions conflict with the role that I'm hiring for. And now me as a user, I can go on and I'm somebody who's just getting back from jail or prison. I get on, I input my criminal history and now I can't match with any of those jobs, right? So everything I see is available to me. Um, and now we, we take that piece out of, I don't need to know anything more about you, right? I know that we're a match and that's good enough. I know that you're skilled and I know that you're, you know, who you are matches what I'm looking for. Good, done. Let's move forward. And we don't have to think about it anymore. With, um, shifting gears just a little bit. Were you with uh, ConConnect when you guys went through Techstars? You're also Techstars back company, which I thought was yeah. really cool. Yeah, so I got in there towards the end. Um, Andre was doing it for himself for about the first uh, four months, I want to say, and I came in about the last month and a half. Um, another great opportunity for us to be down there. Atlanta is, a, is, is one hell of a community, um, especially for 
you know, black and brown people. They are tight down there. Uh, and I love it. And Techstars itself is an amazing program, uh, amazing company. Because you, know? you guys, uh, you all have raised, raised capital and are raising capital. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, we're in our pre-seed round right now. And how is, is in terms of any pushback at all from uh, from investors from that standpoint, or is, do they they just get it as soon as they hear the pitch? Yeah, no, we've had some really great luck with investors. You know, we have some lead investors that are um, they they invest in impact companies and they are really driving us forward. Um, and you know, we're we're more than blessed to be involved with who we're involved with in terms of investors. Um, and no push, uh, no really pushback. You know, the people who believe in us, believe in us. Impact companies and impact investors love us. Um, it's been it's been a good journey in terms of the pre-seed round right now. From a tech perspective, is someone there technical? You guys outsource? How, how does the platform get developed? Now, we went through a hell of a process in the beginning. <laughs> so, not, so neither Andre and I are technical founders, right? Um, we're learning as we go along and we're learning quick. But uh, when Andre first started developing the website, he was putting his own money into it. Um, so, I mean, that showed you how much he believed in this. He put about maybe 30 grand of his own money into developing this website, um, but he didn't know what he was doing. So he ended up outsourcing the, the job to some people overseas and they built this really crummy website and it, was, you know, it wasn't functional, it wasn't working. So we had to spend a bunch more money once we uh, got into Techstars to get it all you know, fixed up and on operating. So we have a, a live, functional you know mvp out right now that we're working on some uh some pilots with some big companies and some big nonprofits. um but you know we're like i said we're not technical founders but we have brought on a cto um which we're very very excited about because that brings us into you know a whole different league um you know from here on it's leaps and bounds forward in terms of what our technology is going to be able to do um you know did you say you brought on a technical co-founder did you say that a cto yeah. Okay. What did I say? CTO, yeah. You said technical co-founder. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Similar letters. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what was that process like, bringing that person on? So we've talked to a lot of people who have had uh, horrendous situations of, of building uh, a tech-focused business, like a, a tech-only business, just like you guys. Mm-hmm. Sent it off seas, spent a bunch of money. It was... Uh, disaster transport all over again. It sounds like you guys had that, but bringing on the CTO, like that, that, that fixes a lot of the challenges, fixes a lot of the problems. What was the process of bringing on those individuals? Yeah. I mean, so, so we're, we're, we're really lucky with who we got for a CTO and I I don't want to go too far into it because it is a very new thing for us. Um, But this is a guy who's, you know, he's been a CTO of two uh, companies. He's exited two companies successfully um, you know, a guy with the business acumen as well, as well as the technical side of things, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta steal <laughs> where we're at right now, honestly, with who we're bringing on. Um, so we're very fortunate in that sense. And like I said, this propels us forward. And, and like you guys know, you know, in a business world, the valuation of your company, um, doesn't only depend on, you know, revenue doesn't only depend on, you know, these certain things that are measurable, but also, you know, who the team is. So this guy coming in creates tremendous value for us. And uh, I think that's going to show hugely in the next uh, six months as we you know, plan for a relaunch. What, what uh, can you share any insight in terms of where you think the vision of 
or roadmap of ConConnect is? I mean, do, do you like have you ever thought about, hey, we we figured a way out to to become founders and start a business? I mean, do you think that there could be like a founder academy of some kind uh, for folks that when they're released, that they want to start a business? Uh, any thoughts on anything like that? Hey, we have people on the platform already who are providing resources like that. So we work with some nonprofits that are um, like business to business kind of programs and whatnot. So they're on there and they are working with our users. Um, you know, obviously I can't go too much into into the development of what's going on right now, but um, you know, we'll, we'll have some great things on there in the future. We'll have some really cool opportunities. What, what's the biggest challenge that you all face right now? Uh, in order to to hit hit the goals and dreams that you go, that you have, yeah, I mean at this point it's the uh, the normal stuff that goes on in the beginning stages of you know being a founder, um, the hiring process right now, just bringing people on who believe in our mission, align with our goals, um, really, and also, I mean being a national company is difficult, right? You, you're working all over the place. Um, so traveling all the time <laughs> has been absolutely insane. I mean, I just got home after three weeks being in, uh, Georgia and Virginia, got home. My girlfriend's looking at me like, you're leaving again in a week. What, what's going on here? You know, so living that kind of life has been intense. Um, but like I said, Andre and I, we are very, uh, we cohesive team. We work very well together, which I don't know how it is for a lot of other, you know, founding teams, but Andre and I, we work really well hand in hand. So we've been fortunate that, you know, where I lack, he picks up. Where he lacks, I pick up. Um, so in that sense, we are very, very strong, and we're able to keep on pushing that way. What are what are some of the see twelve hundred job placements over the last since April? So what is that? I don't know, six eight months. What what are some of the jobs that those individuals have been filled with? Or to, can you can you tell us about some of the success stories in there? Pain yeah, out, so we're out. yeah, so we're piloting with um with Lowe's. We're piloting with Home Depot um, and a couple other companies like that. Um, and, you know, we're sending them candidates left and right, um, you know, pushing them into positions there, into management positions, which has been, you know, really great being able to take somebody who's coming home or has been home for two, three years and has developed these skills and giving them the opportunity to get into some positions that aren't just your normal labor positions. To be able to get them into management positions has been really, really exciting. Um, and then working with Westchester County up here in New York, um, we work with their workforce development as well and placing people into more of the community, uh, small town businesses in the area. Um, we've had huge success down there and that's where uh, a lot of our first placements actually happen through the Westchester initiative. Um, and you know that's been going on and been really strong as well. Man, I, I, I just, you all must really have to have some serious belief in, in yourself and the mission that you're doing. Is that something that you and Andre are able to, do you lean on one another for that? Just in the sense of you're, you're carving a path that hasn't been necessarily been carved before providing technology that hasn't been provided before. It's tough. Um, I mean, I, Zach and I have certainly faced our headwinds as we can try to continue to try to, help entrepreneurs succeed. I mean, how, how often do you and Andre talk? Uh, how much do you lean on one another? Uh, and how important is it from a co-founder standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, like I said before, where I lack, he picks up and, and vice versa. Um, 
you know, Andre's Andre's the one with the tough skin. Andre's the one who can go in and have these 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 bone crushing conversations whenever it needs to happen. Um, I'm not that guy. I'll be <laughs> I'll be upfront about that. I'm the guy in the background. I like to organize. I like to you know mess with sheets and numbers and all that. And you know, so so that's where my strength lies. Um, and and I wouldn't be able to do this by myself. And I don't think Andre would be able to do it by himself. Um, I think we are a really great team uh, tackling this, and we need all of our strengths when it comes down to it. Uh, and it's in, in extremely important to know who you're bringing on as a co-founder and what they have to offer and what they can do for you. And I know so Andre brought me on because of those things. Right? He brought me on. He said, Danny, like, I can't just bring somebody on who doesn't know the space. I know that you went through the same thing I went through. Um, I know how you were while you were inside. He's like, and, and honestly, I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know what's going on, but I know that you can handle this. So let's mm -hmm. go and let's do this. And Andre's really been a big uh, motivator for me in so many ways. Um, you know, he's gotten me into this, this routine of, you know, whatever you want to see happen, make it happen. Um, and it's been really great in that way to, he's like an older brother to me, you know, I'm uh, mm -hmm. a few years younger than, than he is, but, you know, really idolize and really look up to him and, and he's really helped me along the way. One thing, if you were to ask an entrepreneur, if someone who owns a business, what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. And they, they're going to tell you a bunch of things. Uh, maybe something to do with family, money, lo lose everything, stuff like that. It's interesting as we're talking with you, as someone who has been locked up and you're sitting there, I I'm interested, like, what were you, what, when you were, when you were locked up, what were you thinking about? And how have you related maybe some of those thoughts, if you, if you had them to now being on the business side of things, have they helped? Have they hurt? Like, what, what did you learn in the process mm -hmm. from being locked up that's helped you from a business perspective? Because I think a lot of people think about rock bottom being like this rock bottom and, and it's probably not really rock bottom, right? I mean, it's, it, it, it sounds like you've, you've been in a, in a way more rock bottom than a lot of people. And how mm -hmm. have you used that to, uh, to, to kind of teach yourself in, in the business world? Yeah, great question, actually. Um, so a big thing for me when I was locked up was uh, it took me a while. It took me about two years um, until my appeal went through to start telling myself, like, you know, things are going to be OK. You're going to go home and you might be behind and you might have to catch up. And that's a whole different you know, topic to talk about. But um, at a certain point, you have to tell yourself it's time to, to start structuring. It's time to start preparing. It's time to start, you know, um, learning about yourself and doing the due diligence, right? Which to me, when it comes to being a founder, my worst case scenario, my biggest fear is failing because I lack to do that due diligence because I lack the attention span or the, you know, the mental space to just say, hey, let me read through this entirely or hey, let me stay up and work for an extra few hours to get this done. Um, it's the same kind of way, right? If I didn't do what I needed to do while I was inside and do it in a very meticulous way, um, I, I would have come out and I would have been still kind of lost. You know, I still would have not known what to do with my life or I would have still been, you know, terribly sad or whatever the case is. Um, and it's the same thing now, right? I have to just say, this is what I need to do in order to succeed and then just line it up and knock it down. It's the same exact thing. When you're inside, you create a routine for yourself and that's how you stay sane. That's how you end up, you know, just keeping yourself and your head inside instead of being you know where you're actually at you say okay let me turn inwards let me just create an action plan and follow through with it and it was two years of you know getting up at the same time two years of you know having the same routine and two years of 
you know, reading and doing this and doing that. And now it's basically the same thing. Right. So um, I didn't fail then. And now I feel like if I transition and do the same thing I did then now, I'll be just fine. CompConnect will be just fine. I just, yeah, I, it's interesting that you say that because I just, Zach and I will talk offline at times, uh, just in the sense of not naming names. Some some founders, you know, they're soft. And, and the first time that they uh, face a little bit of uh, adversity or the first bump in the road, yeah, they, they're out. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and that's where I'm like, you guys have no idea. Yeah, I mean, this is really, really tough. You've got to lean into this discomfort and you got to find a way. And that's why I just, I think that, and I had mentioned it earlier, but Zach, you uh, said it much more clearly that the the things that you had to experience and go through, I think have set you all up for success because in comparison to the two, you guys, you guys just have to buckle down and get it done. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that I want everyone to do time in order to toughen up as founders, but yeah, that that's a that's something that certainly really is a differentiator for you all. Well, I will yeah. say so. I, I think that for a lot of young people, especially, so a big thing for me is that I love um, I love working with mental health in you know guys who are coming out because that's what I did, right? I was uh, so I love working in mental health and working with mental health professionals for guys who are you know twenty to twenty five who are coming home. Uh, that's you know something that's really close to my heart, but. Not everybody comes out with the with the with the toughness. Not everybody mm-hmm. does, right? Um, a lot of people come out and they're terrified of going back, um, but they don't have the necessary. Uh, you know, I, I was terrified for a long time uh, when I came home. I didn't want to mess up. I didn't want to go back. So I ended up just kind of putting myself in a corner. You know, get yourself a job where you can lay low, don't do anything, don't hang out with friends, whatever the case is. I wasn't doing anything. And it took me a few years before I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult now. I got some things I got to get done. Wow. You know, like life is too short for me to be afraid of messing up because, um, you know, there's some things you got to do as you get older. And as you progress, if you, you got to take certain risks and a lot of people are afraid to take those risks. Like I wouldn't be able to do what I was doing today if I was still on parole, let's say, right. I wouldn't be able to just get up and go to Virginia for two weeks or, you know, I'm going to DC next week for, I wouldn't be able to just do those things. I wouldn't be able to, go out late if I need to, you know, meet people or whatever the case is. Um, so not everybody's prepared for it. It takes some time for some people, unfortunately, um, which is something I think that we're actually solving with ConConnect as well. Um, you know, when you're on ConConnect, everything's available to you and we work under your parameters. Whatever you need in your situation, we'll accommodate and we'll figure that out for you. From a mental health perspective, um, and I think that's actually popping up a lot. Alan Hagerman has a question basically saying that I, a lot of people agree with you, but they're severely underfunded. And so what, knowing that, how, how does how do you guys even begin to tackle that? What, what did you go through specifically to tackle that? Because mental health is something that even during the pandemic, those who are not locked up, people talked about how mental health was going to be this crazy a crazy mm-hmm. situation. And it seems like more and more kind of opening the door, uh, uh, realizing that you're not weak if you have mental issues or need mental health. And so there are other uh, solutions for you. So so what are you guys doing to, to open the door when maybe the funding that has been in place to some extent isn't enough? Yeah. Um, great question. So Something that we bring onto the site um, that we're bringing onto the site soon 
are some uh, at-home kind of courses that you can take, uh, like therapy courses that you can take. So we're, we're adding some resources like that onto the site um, pretty soon, which I'm excited about. But then also finding people who are industry-specific. So um, for me, I can't just go to, or I couldn't have gone to just a normal therapist, let's say, right? Because honestly, I had PTSD when I came home. You know, I was in jail from 18 to 24. I had some some messed up things going on inside my head that was very specific to the kind of circumstance that I was in. So just making sure, uh, in terms of funding, I mean, there are free resources out there. And we work with a bunch of free resource providers and making sure that they're all housed in a where they're easily accessed. Um, you know, we've done that. We have free resources on our site. People can get on and they can connect to a, a live therapist, a live mental health service provider um, through ConConnect. So uh, in terms of funding, the government needs to realize that these are real issues though and say, okay, we need to allocate funds to something like this or else things are just gonna keep on failing and failing and failing. And mental health is kind of at the core of all of it, in my opinion. And until they realize that, that we have like the, these broken communities that, you know, men and women that come from broken families. And a lot of that can be solved by, you know, providing these mental health services. Um, they're going to keep on having the same issue. So we're doing all we can on our end to, to bring the resources to our users. Um, you know, but if, if the government doesn't want to help, we'll have to figure out something else too. How are some ways that uh, the people that are listening to this can help you? Uh, so what's uh, some of the help that you're looking for? We're always looking for uh, connections, right? We're always looking to to meet that new nonprofit. We're always looking to meet that parole or probation officer. We're always looking to meet that decision maker in a company, um, somebody who's hurting, who just needs some help. Maybe they, you know, had to shut down because they didn't have employees. Whoever it is, we're just looking to open up a new world to you of, you know, huge talent and huge potential uh, clients, candidates, everybody. Um, so connections is really what we're looking for. We just wanna meet everybody, tell them our story, tell them you know, how they can benefit also and how we can honestly just create the impact that needs to happen so we can start rebuilding families and communities. From a business perspective, what's one of the biggest struggles that you've had to go through or that you were challenged with um, going, you know, uh, just going through the whole business side of it. Like what, what's a big challenge that you've had to, to go through? Um, I'd say the, the work-life balance has been uh, an issue in the beginning, trying to figure all that Your out. Your girlfriend agrees with that too, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, the work-life balance has been a big one. Um, and then, like I said, being a, a non-technical founder for a, a software company, a tech company has been, um, you know, uh, a big hurdle that we had to face. And that was, a lot of long nights, uh, you know, having conversations with people who knew the information, a lot of long nights on YouTube and Google and reading books and taking courses online and everything um, and trying to not even catch up, just trying to keep pace with where we're at has been the biggest issue. So, uh, you know, bringing on that CTO, like I said earlier, has been it's really exciting and solved that issue for us. It's a, it's a huge hurdle that we were able to overcome. So you don't have you don't have anything where you have to worry about the phone ringing at two o'clock in the morning because someone didn't show up for work or anything like that as as or or do you or is that just handled through the organizations that you work with? Yeah, so or, so we don't work directly with our users. Um, we we link them right, so we make sure that we know everything about them um, by the onboarding process, and then we just link them with who they have to 
or who fits them the most, right? So the caseworker that's going to be able to service most of their needs, and then an employer who has a job that you know fits the skills that they have and the background that they have. Um, if my phone rings at two thirty in the morning, it's it's, it's going to be bad, bad, whatever it is. But I don't <laughs> think it's you know it's, it's going to be really bad. But uh, no, I don't have to worry about any of those two thirty uh, a.m. calls. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, yeah, that would be rough. I mean, especially as you're trying to. There's enough pressure to build a business as it is, and then it's like all of a sudden people are like, oh yeah, get those guys that can't connect, man. You know, just because you're protecting your brand. So uh, I was, I was just curious if if that was something that you had to be concerned with. But well, in, in that same vein, is, is there an insurance? Uh, is there insurance that you need to to have to to run this company from from that perspective that that might uh, or do companies ask about anything like that so that there is no we, risk? Yeah, us ourselves, us ourselves, we don't need that type of insurance. And now, when it comes to you know our users getting into positions, but um, you know, a lot of employers are concerned when it comes to things like that. But there are you know government funded programs that they can apply for after hiring from this community. So you do have the WOTC tax credit, which is you can get up to $2,400 for hiring somebody with a criminal record. Um, and then you have federal bonding as well, which ensures your business from any kind of damages that may occur because you hired this person. Um, and you'll also get their first six months of um, pay covered by the government as well. So you're getting basically an employee for six months for free, basically. You're fully insured by the government for you know the first year. Um, employers do ask about it, and uh, you know there are huge opportunities out there for employers if that's something that they're concerned about. That's really interesting. That uh, is that a big piece of educational piece that you all have to share, or is that just known to everyone other than myself? No, it's it's an educational piece that we have to share. I mean, we do a lot of educating. It's a big part for us. Um, when we're working with employers, because not everybody knows what it's like to work with somebody who's on parole, let's say, right? Somebody who has to be at a parole office uh, station every Wednesday at two o'clock, um, you know, somebody who has, can't work past eight o'clock, somebody who can't travel out of the county, whatever it is. Um, and there ends up being a lot of miscommunication there. So, right, you, I might have to skip out of work because I have parole at two but I don't want to tell you, maybe you don't know I'm on parole, right? So I don't want to tell you any of this. Um, so now I just skip out of work and you think I just left work to go hang out with, you know, Susie mm -hmm. down at, at Applebee's, whatever it is. Um, so now there's that miscommunication where I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to lose my job, but it's because I have these requirements that I have to fulfill or else I go back to jail. Um, so a big piece of educate uh, that we have to do is educate the employers on what it means to actually be a fair chance hirer um, and have these conversations that, you don't have to be uncomfortable about, you know, having, but a lot of people are. Um, but you have to make sure that you are having these conversations or else things are going to get lost in translation and, you know, somebody's going to end up on the wrong end of the stick. Other than Susie down at Applebee's, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to I, talk I, about? Can I just say, I think that's probably the best quote that we've had of all the episodes that uh, that we've recorded. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um. No, that, that covers it basically. We got a lot, you know, talked about in this, this hour here. Um, yeah, no, we're just, we're excited, man. We're really excited to be moving forward. We're really uh, happy with what we're doing. We're going to get t-shirts that say uh, Susie down at Applebee's. <laughs> and then on and the I, back, it'll I, be like your logo or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I immediately want to go into the song about uh, 
whatever whatever the song that was super viral the summer before last. I know Zach, you listen to nine songs, so you probably don't know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I, Daniel, this has been a ton of fun, man. I, I, I again, I, I applaud you for all that you are doing to to change, educate, uh, to give the second chances that that people need. So conconnect.com is where people can go to learn more. And uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it, Zach. Appreciate it, Tim. Absolutely. Thank you. Talk soon.